Amen. Thank you, Michelle. Pastor Tim, I'll stay down here today. Lord, I just pray for Pastor Tim tonight. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be busy at work here this evening. Lord, I pray that you would be busy, that you would anoint him as he brings the message. Lord, I pray you'd be busy in our hearts, Lord, that for some of us, Lord, that you'd be busy turning up fallow ground, that the seed might land on good soil. Lord, for some of us, Lord, I pray that you're moving us from darkness into light, from death into life. Lord, for some of us, I pray that you are sanctifying us, that you're calling us to be a holy priesthood, a peculiar people. Lord, and I pray that all of this is done under your protective and watchful eye. Lord, I pray that you would protect us in this space, remove every distraction, everything that might hinder your work, Lord, that we might respond to you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Kendall. Thank you, Kendall. Wow. Love, love so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. I guess I'm done. <laughs> you doubt it.
All right, are we good? Yeah, there we go. We got, we got, all right. Thanks, man. All right, I'll take this for a second and we'll go. All right, so um, so he uh, he comes up and says, you want, I can hook you up for some brisket. I said, can you really? Where's Uncle Warren? There's Uncle Warren. So Uncle Warren, uh, uh, my Uncle Warren and uh, and, and Chuck, uh, he came and said, we can, we can take care of your brisket needs. So I'm all ears. I'm all ears. And so uh, I think they I think they caught me right before the breakout. So I didn't I don't know what I taught at the breakout because uh, I was focused on brisket. But uh, so after after the brisket, uh, I see them in the back. Uh, Uncle Warren and, and, and Chuck slash Justin. You'll call him Justin. I call him by his real name, Chuck. And um, and so they say uh, we're ready to go and we're ready to roll. So uh, Justin takes me to Kretzky's. Kretschke's, Kretschke's. I, I don't know what. I don't know if it, I don't even know. I don't. I don't know if I know how to pronounce the name. But that blueberry barbecue sauce. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Now the story doesn't end. This is so crazy. So um, today I came over here and checked with Elijah about some uh, the scripture we're using tonight, and and I'm just kind of talking and. And uh, the, actually, I think somebody said, hey, you got some people looking for you. That's not always the best news for a pastor. It's not always the best news. Not a, it's not always the good news. But um, uh, Madeline, where's she at? Where's Madeline? Where's our, where's our camp photographer? There she is. And I don't know where Levi is. Where's Levi? Levi, Levi. Levi's over there. Okay, Levi and Emily and Jade meet me in the back, back there. And they got themselves a, a bag. I got more brisket. <laughs> they bought me 16 pounds of brisket. I'm just kidding, not 16 pounds. I don't know how much it is, but I got me brisket enough to last me at least, oh, I don't know, through the power outage. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what y'all are doing through the power outage. Y'all invited to my house to watch me eat my brisket. That's all I know. Uh, bring your flashlight because there ain't no light, but you can watch me eat my brisket. Oh, my gosh. I'm just so amazed. I just, I've been doing this for years, and, and honestly, I'm not sure I've gotten this kind of hospitality in a, in a long, long, long time. So, uh, so all I know is uh, I said something about chocolate mint ice cream one night. I said something about brisket last night. Uh, I, I'm not going to say anything tonight except I've, I've always kind of wanted a yacht. Um, not a big one. Not a big one, like 200 foot, um, not a huge one, not ostentatious, nothing, nothing gaudy, just a small 200 foot yacht. <clears throat> Good? 
Okay, good. Okay, okay. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. I love you guys. Seriously, I, I've had the time of my life, and it's, that's not just a song. Uh, but uh, it's um, seriously, it's only Tuesday, and you have blessed my socks off. Thank you all for loving just a kind of a country bumpkin uh, who uh, got changed by the power of Jesus. I mean, I just thank you all for loving me and, and encouraging me and, and uh, just um, so, so appreciate you. So just uh, seriously, I just I was in tears at the chocolate mint ice cream, and now I'm going to cry all night long eating my brisket. <laughs> so, all right, um, where's Adam? Where's Adam? Where's Adam? Is Adam in the house? Adam, there you are. So I'm going to go back to something you said last night really quick, and then we're going to jump in. I, I'm going to make this as quick as we can tonight. Uh, got some really good stuff in Romans 8, the, the continuation of Romans 8, really good stuff. Uh, and I don't want to stand between you and the ice cream. I promise I won't stand too long before between you and the ice cream. But I just want to say something what what Adam said yesterday. And we've heard this a thousand times, uh, and yet he said it last night. And it just kind of hit me last night, Adam, when you said, God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. I've heard that. But last night, it just kind of hit me, and I went home last night, and uh, it just kind of got even deeper in my spirit where I realized, guys, I, I, don't, I don't even know why I'm standing in front of you. There, it makes no sense in the physical realm why I'm here in front of you. First of all, uh, 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 to know the kind of a Christian atheist I was, and the fact that I attempted to kill myself eight times, there's no way I should even be here. This is crazy, Seth. But then you think back even earlier in my life, uh, I, I talked about my, my speech impediment, having that, uh, uh, that, that issue when I was born uh, two months premature and, and, uh, and, and just having that issue in my life for 14 years of my life, I, I, I literally couldn't talk. I mean, I had, there were words I could say, but I couldn't put together sentences. I, I, I would, there are people, no one really could understand me. Every now and then I would say some words that made sense. But honestly, I, mean, I had so many people make fun of me that I just stopped talking for a long period of my life. I just, I didn't want to talk because people made fun of me. But at the same time, I, I couldn't put words together. Uh, believe it or not, there's a, when uh, I have a little bit, uh, when I was born, people now, I, we kind of laugh about it now, but when I was born, premature, I had a little bit of brain damage. It's called apraxia. And, and, it, and it affects the brain in a way where you can't put words together. And even today, you'll kind of notice every now and then where I kind of, I had a stutter. I couldn't say words. I couldn't put sentences together. And the weirdest thing is the words, the words would come to my mind, but I couldn't, they couldn't go from here to here. It's not like I couldn't think of the words. I knew the words. The words were right here. They just couldn't come out. And, and so um, at six years old, um, I met Miss Eubanks. Somebody say Miss Eubanks. I didn't know Jesus, literally. I didn't really know Jesus until I was 33, almost the day before I turned 34, May the 10th of 1997. But, boy, I met Jesus in Miss Eubanks. Miss Eubanks was my speech therapist from age 6 to age 14. And she spent days and days and days in that little white trailer. Anybody remember the white trailers that they would have behind? That's where special ed kids would go. I was a special ed kid. Uh, and I was there Monday through Friday. And I remember even some Saturday afternoons that Miss Eubanks would, would, would show up and, and, and we would make a special appointment because I just, I, I, I had, I couldn't talk, and, and they knew that, that we had to keep working and working, kind of like rehab, kind of rehab my brain and re, re, 
help me think through what I was saying and, and, and enunciate words, and I had to learn how to say words. And Miss Eubanks, for eight years of her life, poured into me, poured into me. Dominic, I don't know. Uh, I never did talk to her if she knew Jesus or not. She, I didn't know if, if she was a, a Christian or not. I don't know. But she died about five years ago. I read in the obituaries uh, in, uh, in, in, in the Hardin County newspaper in Etown, Kentucky, and, and I read that Miss Eubanks had passed away at age 90 or something, something like that. I never had a chance to say thank you. I never really kind of thought about it. I mean, I thought about Miss Eubanks many times in my life, in my history, uh, and, and even as I became a pastor. And, and again, jokingly last night, I said I'm making up for the time I couldn't speak or didn't talk, right? But I never thanked Mrs. Eubanks. So if you're okay for just a second, it's a family camp, right? I said it's a family camp, right? Okay, okay. Couple things in my heart. I was out um, on the point earlier this afternoon, just praying and thinking. And um, you know, you don't have, you don't know if you have tomorrow, right? And you don't know. There's people every year that change from family camp to family camp, aren't there? Right? Some people come and some people are missing and some people pass. So I, I just feel like the Lord may have placed on my heart a moment of time, if you're okay with this. Do you have, like, do you have here, right here, a Mr. or a Mrs. Eubanks that poured into your life as a camp counselor, as a leader, as a song leader, as a director, as a, as a person of faith? Do you, I mean, right, right now, I'm just asking, like, do you look around? I mean, am I on the right track? Are there people in, are there, just asking, are there people right here? That helped shape your life right here in this place. Are there people, Michelle, right here? You can point them out, right? You know them. There are Mrs. Eubanks and Mr. Eubankses who have poured into your life and helped you be where you are tonight, right? That without them, you wouldn't be here in some sense. They were behind the scenes. They poured into you. They loved you. They encouraged you, right? They prayed for you. They're here tonight, right? Anybody else like that? I said, anybody else like that? So we got three in the whole house that's like that? Anybody else look around and know that there's people in this place that have impacted you and poured into your life? So what I have in my heart, if you're okay, I never had a chance to thank Mrs. Eubanks for pouring into my life. And literally, I think, saving my life as a pastor. I don't know what I would be doing if I didn't have Mrs. Eubanks helping me overcome what I was born with. But would you be okay right now, just right now, to move and just thank that person? Just go to the person and thank them. Just give them a hug and say, I love you and thank you. Would you be okay to do that?
somebody has to actually move first if you want if you're okay to do that just would you be okay to just go to the person or persons and say thank you and just give them a hug there's got to be I had I saw more hands than this finding people and hugging people I just I found in my heart this this morning this afternoon like like Adam you were saying without certain people in our lives we're not we're not who we are right we're not who we are and and I, I just know that life goes fast and and life is busy and we got family and we got we got all these ministries and jobs and and I just um I just know that sometimes we don't take the opportunity to just love on somebody and say thank you thank you thank you uh anybody remember a, a Ray Bolt song called thank you Thank you. That's a great song. Thank you. Uh, that when you get to heaven, you'll probably uh, line up and, and uh, thank you for serving the Lord. But I don't think we have to wait to heaven for that. Amen. I don't think we have to wait for heaven for that. So, so thank you to those who got up and kind of hugged some necks. And, and I would just encourage you, if you weren't able to do that or didn't do that uh, tonight, uh, just do that sometime this week. Because I, I know in my own heart, I, I wish I had thanked Mrs. Eubanks for pouring into my life. And and so let me say this one last thing, and we'll jump right into Scripture. Um some of you tonight, I think some of you tonight are actually Mrs. and Mr. Eubanks. You've actually poured into people's lives, and I don't know if you even know that. Uh, I don't think Mrs. Eubanks had a clue what I was going to grow up to be. I'm not even sure if she even kept track of what happened in my life uh, 25 years ago when I was born again. So I don't even know if she even knew. All I know is that you, as you pour into people, you heard this from Jeff earlier today uh, at the testimony, you've heard this, I think every, I've heard it every night almost, that this campus changed lives, and, and I just want to encourage you, if you feel like you're behind the scenes, then be the best Mrs. Eubanks you can be, be the best Mr. Eubanks you can be, pour into people, you're pouring into people, you're praying for people, your, your love of people, changing lives, they're changing lives, I guarantee you, I guarantee you they're changing lives, I guarantee it. And, and, and I'm a life that just simply is changed because uh, a lot of different people, but one woman in particular uh, poured her life into me. And I just, I, just, I just had that on my heart. Does that make sense? I had that on my heart. So thank you for pouring into people's lives. Thank you for pouring into people's lives. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you and praise you for Mrs. and Mr. Eubanks in this place. We thank you for a camp called Bayshore. I thank you that this is my new home. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that uh, the love and the hospitality and the grace of the people here are just off 
book. It's just amazing how the love of God can be shown and felt through so many different ways. And uh, so just ask a blessing upon them. And tonight, as we dive into your word, may we be attentive to what you would have for us to hear tonight in your amazing, miraculous, supernatural word. Wow. This uh, passage we're going to look at in Romans as we continue Romans 8 is just absolutely dynamite. Literally dynamite. Those who are in the breakout session know kind of what we're talking about. This passage is dynamite. It is incredible. So I pray that you will use it to change our lives tonight like never before. Holy Spirit, you are welcome as we exalt Jesus and as we trust you, Father, for your will be done in our lives tonight. In Jesus' in mighty name, church says, amen. All right, Romans, here we go. Pick up Romans 8. We're going to pick up at verse 9. Look at this. So we're just going to go 9 through 17 tonight. There's about two or three places we have to stop and kind of camp for just a second. But just look at this. So here's the but. It's a, it's a good but from what we left off last night. Remember, you are either controlled by the Holy Spirit or you're dominated by sin, right? So now Paul says this to the church in Rome. And by the way, the church in Rome, you know, was a pretty pagan church. It was a pretty pagan church. I mean, they had gods and gods and gods upon gods. The, the church in Rome was a miserable, horrible, kind of, they're in a horrible situation. The church was trying to grow. The church was trying to penetrate the darkness with the light of Jesus. But Rome was a really just a horrible, horrible, uh, dark city and a dark, uh, a dark area uh, where the church was trying to go break through. So, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Look at that. You, you, you. Somebody say you. Somebody say me. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. What are you controlled by? The Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Now, before we get to the parentheses, which is pretty big parentheses, the, the, the question is, is the Holy Spirit controlling you? So here's a, it's crazy. I, I know it's kind of crazy, but um, so I, a lot of times, not all the time, but I've developed this habit where I pray, and as I pray, I ask the Holy Spirit, what shirt do you want me to wear today? Now, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not me just like having to stop and say, oh, I don't know, uh, I can't put on anything until the Lord tells me. Because if the Lord doesn't tell me, I can't, guess what? I can put on anything I want, I guess. But there have been times where I've been about ready to put on a T-shirt or something, and I just I feel like the Lord wants me to ask him, Lord, what shirt do you want me to wear today? And sure enough, if I'm listening, I'll put the shirt on, and somewhere throughout the day, somebody will say something about that shirt. Not all the time, but I, a lot of the times, ask, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go out to eat today? Now, I will tell you, that's a whole lot better than the debate that happens in most cars and most vans. Come on, come on. Where do you want to go today to eat, honey? Oh, I don't know. Do you have a taste for anything? Not really. And then we get there, and we find out you had a taste for Chinese. And we're eating Mexican. Or, well, we always have a taste for Mexican. But, so, there's this debate, you know, sometimes. But I'm just saying, so sometimes I'll say, okay, Lord, is there a place you want us to go eat? And I cannot tell you how many times I thought I wanted to go here, but the Lord would take me here. 
Why would the Lord take me to a, another restaurant? Why in the world would the Lord care about me going to another restaurant? Why? Somebody needed somebody to listen to the Holy Spirit, be led, and be controlled. A divine appointment. So this control is not like the world's control, okay? I know, I know the world, the word control has a bad connotation in the world. I get it. But not here. The word control is kind of like that hoverboard Elijah brought up last night. It's that sense of that, that you're not going to go really anywhere that God wants you to go unless and until you allow the hoverer, see what I did there, the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And so, so, so the question is, are you controlled? By, it's a real simple question, but it sometimes can be a, kind of a hard answer. Am I good? Here's this pause for a second. You'll thank me in this. Jesus, we thank you for protection, we thank you for uh, just uh, healing, if there's any bumps and bruises here, and we just ask and pray that you continue to bless uh, this precious family of Faith Hill, and you just continue to bless them, Lord, we pray. Help us uh, refocus, but also bless this precious family. We don't know who that is, but bless them, and encourage them, heal them, thank you in Jesus' name. So let me look at this. Let's look at this, 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 this parenthesis. This parenthesis is kind of big, guys. It's kind of big. And remember, how about y'all read this with me? Ready? And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Rut row. The only way you can belong to Christ is how? By having his spirit in you. Is that what it says? I'm going to make sure. Is that what it says? We check it. Is that what it says? That if you do not have the spirit of Christ in you, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you can't belong to Jesus. Make sense? We were talking today at the breakout and a couple other conversations this afternoon. And, and it's just it's just kind of one of those things. I grew up in it. I told you, I think on Sunday night, I grew up with this two-thirds of a trinity, right? Uh, I did. I grew up. Well, and if you, if you add potluck suppers, I had the full trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the potluck supper. And, 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 I, and that's what we had. I never in my whole life heard about the Holy Spirit until I was 34 years old. I never heard a single mention. The only time I heard the Holy Spirit was the, the, the kind of the King James Version name of the Holy Ghost. And I said this, I think, at the break hour, or maybe I said it to you all, but the only, the only time you hear in a Methodist church, the only time you hear Holy Ghost in, in most sermons, in most churches, is when? The doxology, the offering. I'm serious. I live, I, I, again, I'm a Christian atheist. I'm sitting there in church. I only time I thought about the Holy Ghost, I thought the Holy Ghost had something to do with money. Because that was when the offering plates were passed, right? Praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? Praise him all creatures here below, right? What's the last line? Praise Father, Son, and That's the only time I heard about it. Amen. 
Yep, 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 yep. Amen. You gotta get the whole effect. So, <laughs> so that's great. So, so that's the only time I heard. But, but to, I'm just, I just one of the things I think we want to wake up to is the fullness of the Trinity. There is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Holy Spirit, and they are equal. Equal, I say. The Bible says it. I, I was explaining this, and again, this is a, something that was given to me uh, probably about five, six, seven years ago. We got all these analogies, ice and water and steam and all that. But, but here's an analogy that for me kind of kind of works. You got to be careful. Listen, guys, God is a mystery, right? He's a mystery. So you got to be careful thinking you're going to explain him away. If you explain him away, guess what? He is not. He's not God. He's not a mystery. And if you're here wanting all the answers to the Holy Spirit, God bless, good luck. Not going to get him, not for me at least, and I don't think you're going to get him in the Bible. And I don't think God's going to reveal all of his mysteries to you. A, we can't handle it. And B, we can't handle it. But here's this, here's this kind of this picture that was given to me. Take a, 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 a jar, take a, take a thing of Play-Doh. Everybody know what Play-Doh is? Take a thing of Play-Doh and make three exact opposite balls. I mean, are exact balls, exactly like everything scientifically weighed out, exactly the same, density, everything, to the minute detail, three exact same balls of Play-Doh. Got it? What color you got? Yellow? We'll go with yellow. I would have picked something else, but yellow's okay. Yellow. And then you put them in the shape of the quadrilateral triangle, uh, 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 a, a, tri a triangle where all three sides are what? Absolutely equal, okay, right? That's what a quadrilateral triangle is. Boom, boom, boom. So you put, boom, you put this, you put these three uh, balls of Play-Doh in the shape of uh, tri that triangle, that perfect size triangle, right, equal triangle. Are those three balls the same? Exactly the same. They're weighed the same. They're made the same. They're scientifically the same. Like I said, just make sure it's not just me and you doing this. It's like they, we put them into a factory, and they're like, whoop, and exactly they weigh the same. They're exactly the same. They have the same, they're the same substance, and they're exactly the same. Amen? Are the balls different? Are they same? Are they different? How many balls you got? They have to be different. They're not just one ball, right? Aren't they three balls? Aren't they the same? Aren't they different? Yes, they are same. Yes, they are different. And if you take one of those balls away, what do you not have? You do not have a perfect equilateral triangle. And if you take that equilateral triangle and you move it on one side or the other, what happens to the dimensions of that triangle? Nothing stays the same. Trinity. Perfect unity. But three persons. I think we have to reclaim this. All I'm giving you tonight, all that was, was like 2,000 years of theology. That's it. It's just orthodox theology, guys. It's just Bible. That's Bible 101. The Trinity. But I found that the church of Jesus Christ today doesn't really know that sometimes. 
And so it, it makes sense that God, and I grew up in that church, where God the Father we talk about a little bit, God the Son we talk about a lot, God the Holy Ghost we sing at the offering. Right? So all what I think is with what the Lord is asking of, I think, a new generation of people and, a, and the church to reclaim our teachings of the Holy Spirit. And it says that if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, we can't belong to Christ. That's what it says. Right? Verse 10, look at verse 10. It goes on. It gets better. This gets really good. So Christ lives in you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. You were made right with God because the Holy Spirit, according to Titus, took the blood that Jesus shed, that only Jesus could shed, washing your stain of sin, not the, not, not the, not the actions of sin, but the stain of sin uh, and that you can't control. You can't do anything about the stain of sin. Only the blood of Jesus can wash that, right? And our body is dying, but there's life in us. I, don't, I didn't say this. Somebody said it years and years and years ago. Um, you know what starts happening the moment you're born? You start dying. Now, I didn't say that. That's kind of depressing to think about, kind of. You know, I'm like, that's kind of sad. But you start growing up and growing older. And by the time you're 60, 70, 80, things begin to change. Amen? So, so. So your body is dying, but the spirit gives life. I just, I just know when I see this passage, guys, I, I, I look at this culture. Tell me if I'm wrong. Just tell me if I'm wrong. But, but I see the culture, and you, you know the Bible tells us, anybody know this? The Bible tells us we're made of three parts. Anybody know this? First Thessalonians, we're made up of three parts. We're made up of body, we're made up of soul, and we're made up of spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. The body is pretty easy to figure out. This is the body, right? Boom, this is the body. We, we, all, we, all, we all have the body. But of those three, do you know what we probably pay most attention to? The body. Do you know what we spend more money on? The body. Do you know what's the least in the category of importance probably to God? The body. Now, your soul is the makeup of your personality. It's, it's it is, uh, Bible can, in, in the Old Testament, the Bible's word for soul is your heart. So it's your heart, it's your mind is included in your soul, your personality, uh, uh, your, your life, your, some of your DNA uh, will shape that. Your life and, and, and growing up is a part of that. So your soul is a little bit more complicated. But then there's your spirit. And the Bible speaks about this, about your spirit, that God is the giver of your spirit. Amen? Come on, guys. This is Bible 101. God gives you your spirit. Anybody, anybody know when you get your spirit? At the, second of create, at the second of conception. When a seed meets an egg, that creation receives a spirit from God. that spirit either stays empty or filled with something other than the spirit of God until you're born again. We'll see this in just a second. The, how you're born again is the spirit of God coming into your spirit and changing your nature. That's how you're born again, Jimmy. That's how you're born again. Next verse. 
It gets better. This is really good. Just a few verses, but it gets really good here. The Spirit of God, this is probably one of my favorite verses of all time. The Spirit of God, can you read this with me? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, period. Two things about this. We talked about this. Who was in the breakout uh, earlier today, the teaching, the Bible study? Um, so got my back, right? You got my back. So when I said this, okay, when I said this, I said this earlier today. So hear me out. Don't shoot me. Don't hurt me, okay? I love you. I got brisket waiting, okay? You know what dead men can't do? Dead men can't get up. Now, don't shoot me. I know Jesus was a different kind of dead man. I get that. But the Bible says here, Adam, and the Bible says in Ephesians, and the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 18, that the Spirit of God raised Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Jesus, Dominic, didn't get up himself. Could he have? Of course he could have. He's Jesus. But he didn't. Who rose Jesus from the dead? Who woke Jesus from the dead? Who was it? The very Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the third person of a holy trinity woke up a dead Jesus. Could Jesus have done that? Sure. But the point is he didn't. For whatever reason, mystery, okay, add the mystery. We don't understand all this, but for whatever reason, if we are believers of the word of God, and if we understand that the word of God is inerrant and infallible and authoritative, and there's nothing else above the word of God that, that for our Christian living and Christian faith, that if we believe this, this very spirit of God woke Jesus from the dead, that spirit lives in wow. Dee Dee, wow. I mean, this is like, for me, as a, as, a, as a country bumpkin from Kentucky who didn't know nothing about nothing when I came to Jesus, and I'm calling my Baptist brother uh, every three minutes on that rotary dial phone, and I'm like, and Michael, is this real? Is this true? What's going on? And finally, I get to this. I'm thinking, no way. The God who raised Jesus, the Spirit who raised Jesus, Jesus from the dead lives in you. I don't know. I, Michelle, I'm thinking this should change our very living. Shouldn't it? God is not God on high that we have to yell to. God is not distant and far away. Where can I go from your presence, O oh God? Where can I flee, the psalmist said, right? And the answer is, you can't. Why can't I flee from God? He's in me. He's in you. Stop waiting for God to show up. Show up for God. He's in you. If you're born again. Now, if you're not born again, if you're not born again, he ain't in you. Now, I think he's hovering. I think he's hovering. Put your name on it. Zach, you're collecting at the front row. I'm going to get you over there. Is that all right?
Okay, okay. So here's, here's, here's what Scripture would speak about, about how the Holy Spirit's working on non-belief. And this is a spiritual principle. And this is, this is, like, this is where we understand that, that so, so Zach believes in the Lord, and he loves the Lord, and he loves Jesus, right? But if he didn't, here's what the Holy Spirit's doing right here. We see this. Listen, we see, exactly. We see this in Genesis 1-2. What am I doing? I'm hovering. The Holy Spirit would hover. So when you witness to somebody, when you go into a, a situation at work, at school, wherever, Walmart, it doesn't matter, then, and you have this sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and you learn how to hear the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can be the one to tell you, listen, see that person over there, see that guy over there, see that woman over there, I'm doing this. I'm hovering. And he might just be ready to accept the gift of washing to go talk to her. And if you don't have a relationship, you smell good though, by the way, Zach. I got to get that shampoo or something. That smells good. My daughter is confused on why I wash my hair. She said, I wash, say, she says, you wash what? My hair. Anyway, so that's a, that's a side. So anyway, so I, I just, if we understand this properly, it, it, God, God, the third person of God, lives inside of you. That should change your ever-loving life. So if we're walking around and our lives aren't changed, do you understand why, why Scripture would point so directly at if, if, I, if I don't see, if, 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 if there's not some evidence of fruit, if there's not some evidence of joy, if there's not some evidence of some kind of change, don't you understand now how Scripture could say there might be a question whether something has happened in your life? Do you understand that? You cannot be born again and stay the same. That's just illogical, isn't it? And there's too many people in the church that I believe are still Christian atheists who, 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 who say that they were in a tent event or a service or a, 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 a hall or a, an event, a revival, and they, they, they may have gotten emotional. They may have, they may have even said a prayer. But nothing happened on the inside. Help me out. How does the God of the universe come inside of you and nothing happens? You know what God said? You know what, you know what happened when God spoke one word and things changed? You know, what, you know what happened when God said light? Anybody know what happened when God said light? Boom! It was like a little... I know, I'm like, kind of scared. I don't know, I think I'm going to get that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm going to get, man. 
Give me a hand, Carol, the light there, and we'll go from there. Woo! Woo! I love you, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Elijah said, must be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, it might be. I don't know. Woo! My goodness gracious. All right. So continuing. So uh, look at this now. So he raised Jesus from the dead. And just as Christ, God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. It's the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus. you got to get this, guys. Jesus, if he didn't rise from the dead, we dead. He can go to the cross all day long and take my sin. But he's got to get out of a grave and leave my sin there. See, when he came out of the grave, he didn't take on my sin out of the grave. That's why Romans 6 says, my sin is dead. You read Romans 6 at the beginning, and it talks about this, this thing of baptism, and we always instantly go to water. But what we understand when we read Romans 6 is that this thing, this sense of when we get baptized, we're understanding that Jesus was baptized in death, and as he stayed in the grave for three days, when he rose out of that grave, our sin didn't come with him. Oh, y'all not getting this. Our sin did not come with the glorified Jesus. Our sin did not come with the resurrected Jesus. Our sin did not come with the, the living God of the universe coming out of a tomb. That's why you can no longer be sinners if you have the living God in you. Connect the dots. You have to be a saint if you've got the Holy Spirit birthing new life in you. Amen? changes everything. What's your name, man? Sam, doesn't that change everything? I'm just sitting here looking at your face, and you're like, you're just, it just says, that changes everything. I mean, the face just says, Adam, look at his face. What does it say to you? That just says, look what, look, look, look at his face. What does it say to you? That changes everything. See, I'm not the only one. It changes everything, right, Sam? Oh, it changes everything, guys. It changes the way I live. It changes the way I think. Jen, it changes the way I live my life. It changes the way I talk. It changes the way I worship. It changes the way you worship. Twenty-four-seven angels declaring, "Holy, holy, holy!" Twenty-four-seven angels just worshiping the Lamb, worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. I mean. I just know I, if, if, if there's any verse that, that should change your life, if there's any verse that I would just invite you to pray and fast into, if there's any verse, guys, that I would just invite you to just really take to heart and pray and seriously say, okay, God, I, 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 want, thi I, want, I want this. I, I want to know this. I, I want to know this, 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 this reality of the, of the very same spirit that woke Jesus from the dead living in me. I want to know that reality. You need to be hungry for this reality. If you're not hungry for this reality, tell me what you're hungry for besides this. Your brisket. Thank you very much. As soon as I said it, I thought brisket. I thought I could say that. It'd be funny, but you beat me to it. Brisket. Ah. Brisket comes in third after my wife. Maybe. Some kids. Okay, kids. Well, kids sometimes. Parents, amen. Thank you. Okay. Okay, okay. Verse 12, verse 12, here you go. A couple more here, and 
and we'll go quick through the last couple of ones, but there's one point we want to stop at real quick, and we'll get you out real quick. I promise, I promise. So therefore, therefore always means you got to figure out what it's there for, right? So therefore, this just repeats what we talked about last night, guys. This just repeats. Look at this. Therefore, if you have the spirit of the living God in you, if you have the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead in you, and the verse before that said that, that you belong to Christ. So when you belong to Christ, you have the spirit of God in you. If you don't belong to Christ, you don't have the spirit of God in you. So if you're a born-again Christian, you actually have the spirit of God in you, Therefore, you have no obligations, my dear brothers and sisters at Bay Shore, to desire or do what the sinful nature tells you to do. You know what that tells you? You know what that says? You know what that says? You know what that says? You don't have to sin. Boom. You don't have to sin. You're free of sin. You're free of the bondage of sin. You're free if Jesus just came to save you from a few bad habits. We are the most pitied of all people. But he, the living God of the universes, came to deliver you and me from the death grip of sin itself. Sin is dead because of Jesus, and if Jesus is in you, sin must be dead in you. It must be. So why we still sin? Because you're not letting the Spirit of God control you. It's that simple. If you're a born-again Christian and we continue to rebel against God and, and we continue to do those things that we know are not of God, then all that means is we need more all it means. So when the altar call is made, do you want more Holy Spirit? Why do you stay seated? Now, you don't have to come forward, but, but I just, as a family, we just kind of do it as a family. We just say, okay, we just can't, as a family, let's just, let's just kind of do this together. You don't have to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Now, Satan is smart. He is as crafty as of all. He's shrewd. He's smarter than you. We talked about that Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we wrap up on Friday, about the principalities and the powers of a wicked and broken world and in the heavenly places. There's a real devil, and he hates you as much as God loves you. He can't stand you. You know one of the reasons he can't stand you? You're made in the image of God. He can't stand God. He hates God. And if you're made in the image of God, which everybody is made in the image of God, Right? Everybody's made in the image of God. Every sinner, every heathen, every lost, every saved, every person is made in the image of God. So we have that imprint. We have that imprint somehow, that DNA imprint of God. And so because of that, God, Satan absolutely hates us. He can't stand us. He wants to take you out. He wants to take you out. And if you are a born-again Christian, then he wants to confuse you. He wants to, he wants to rattle your chains. He, he wants to remind you of, of maybe something didn't happen. And he wants to keep enticing you to be sinners and continue to sin, even though you're not sinners. You're saints. Is all this making sense? Is it connecting? See, see, if, we, if I know that I'm a saint, all in humility, no pride, no arrogance, I just know I'm, I'm been saved. I'm a, wretched, I'm a wretched, wretched sinner without Jesus. But with Jesus, I am a saint. And that's only by God's grace. Only. And it's only by the power of his spirit. And you know what I need more of every single day? I need his grace. I need his spirit. Look at verse 13. This is sin. Now, look at this. This is sin. Paul tells the church, if you live by sin's dictates or sin's laws, if you live by those urges, 
So if you live by those urges, three simple words, what are they? Anybody read the book of James lately? The book of James says that the, the progression of sin is this kind of this temptation and then the desire and then finally the act. Where does James lead the progression? Death. Paul's just echoing James before James writes his letter. Sin always leads to death. Sin feels good sometimes. It feels good to be angry at that person that cut you off on the road. It feels good. Kate, where you at, Kate? Where you at, Kate? Where you at, Kate? Kate, so proud of you. I still See, I still think there are people in this place that battle unforgiveness right now, right now. And they haven't dealt with it yet. That's still the dominating sin of their life, the dominating sin. They're good people. They love Jesus. They go to church every Sunday. But the dominating sin in their life is unforgiveness. And until they get rid of the dominating sin, the spirit can't control. Jen, what did you say when you saw her today, when she came up to you and, and told you? What, what did you say about her countenance? She looked sad. She looked what? I think you said lighter or brighter. See, the unforgiveness doesn't affect the person you're hating on. The unforgiveness keeps you in a cage. The good news is you got the key in your pocket. But you, you can't experience the Holy Spirit with unforgiveness in your heart. You can't. Not the way he wants you to. Make sense? You can be born again and still have unforgiveness in your heart. You can be born again and still have an anger issue. You can be born again and still have sin habits in your life. You can. But the more of the Holy Spirit you have in your life, the less of those things should dominate you. Amen? Good news. Here's a good but. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful desires and sinful nature, you'll live, which means there's a cooperation. This doesn't mean it's like a remote control and I click on the Holy Spirit and he changes me. No, I'm going to have to participate. I'm going to have to participate and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. But if I do so, I live, I live, I live. I don't die, I don't die, I don't die. 33 plus, almost a year later, I was dying, dying, dying. Since 34, since age 34, I've been living, living, living. And it's all because of the Father's love and mercy poured out through the Son, Jesus Christ, and the blood that only he could provide, and all through the washing of the Spirit of God and the filling of the Spirit of God. You see the Trinity at work? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in your salvation and in your freedom. Are you free tonight? Are you really free? Are you really free? I'm asking, are you really free? Are you free enough to know that even when there's hard things, you're not bound by that? Are you really free of all the stuff that holds you back from loving Jesus as well as you want to, as much as you know you should? Are you free? Are you free? Go on, next verse. 14. This is a good one, guys. Woo! This is a good one. This is the last kind of big point, and we'll kind of fly through the next ones, and we're done. I promise. So here we go. Look, this is kind of a big point, though. For all, help me out, read this to me, read this with me. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are. So at our, our Bible study um, today, 
we talked about uh, we talked about progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity, for those who may not have heard about it, um, is probably the most insidious work of the devil to date. Partly because it has the word what in it. It has the word what. We talked about this. It has the word Christian in it. We talked about this this morning, didn't we? And there's nothing Christian about progressive Christianity. And one of the things that progressive Christianity is really big on, check it out. Don't take my word for it. Just read it. Uh, check out the website. Because let me tell you, it is influential in the life of children and grandchildren, including yours. Why? Because it's the way the culture right now. It's the way of the culture. Y'all know this, right? Y'all know this, right? Jeff, the world has changed. Whether we like it or not, the world has changed. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish we could go back to fishing in the old fishing hole with Barney and Opie and, and, and Andy. I wish we could. I wish we, I really do wish we could go back on Walton's Mountain. And if you give me a little house, I'll put it on. Amen? And for those a little bit cooler, oh, for happy days. Fonzie. But it's changed. The world has changed. The world has changed. The world has changed. See, Satan doesn't take a break. He's not lamenting for the good old days. He's targeting your kids, your grandkids. And so the culture is progressive. The the culture is not Christian anymore. And I know we're waiting for, like, all the sinners to come to Jesus. Or we're waiting for, like, somebody to change the culture. And God is waiting on the church to understand the power of the Holy Spirit within them. When he said, you are the light of the world, he meant it. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you are the light of the world. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. How in the world can we be light of the world if he's the light of the world? Because he lives in us. By the power of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to change the world. We're supposed to change the culture. We're supposed to be the light in the darkness that continues to ramp up and ramp up. And here's one of those progressive theology. Here's one of these progressive Christianity truths, quote, unquote. They're not true. It's not true. You hear me? It's not true. And I love you guys. I hope you don't hurt me. I hope you don't shoot me. I hope you don't, I hope you're not, I hope you don't get mad at me at all. This is just biblical truth. Not everybody's a child of God. I invite you to read John 1, verse 12, now or later. I invite you to really pay attention to this. So let me just ask you, do you think everybody in the world is led by the Holy Spirit of a living God? Yes or no? Just It's a real simple question. Yes or no? Is everybody in the world led by the Holy Spirit? So by this verse alone, by this verse alone, just by this verse alone, there's more verses than just this that corroborate this. Are they children of God if they're not led by the Spirit of God? I'm asking. I want a good, solid yes or no. Are they children of God if they're not led by the Spirit of God? What does the Bible say? So when the world says we're all children of God, that feels good. It's a fuzzy. It's a warm fuzzy. It's, a, it's something around the campfire. We can kind of gather around, and after we say it, we can sing kumbaya. 
And it's not true. In fact, I think it's dangerously untrue, guys. It's dangerously untrue. So, so, so we're going to look at this in just a second. We're going to look at this in just a second. But, but I'm just going to tell you that, that progressive Christianity puts some of its hallmark teaching on we're all children of God. Now, listen, we're all creations of God, amen? We're all creations of God, Larry. And we are all loved by God, amen? But we're not all children of God. Because according to the scriptures. Now, listen, if you're here and you don't want to believe this, then that's something you and Jesus have to have a little talk about, amen? Amen? That's, that, that, that's, that's, not, that's not like pastor's fault, is it? I mean, I'm just reading, I'm literally just reading the scripture, right? There's the scripture. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you're not led by the Spirit of God, you can't be a child of God. Look at this next verse, verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you feel for slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you. Say adoption. Somebody say adoption. When he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him what? Abba, Father. We call him Abba. We call him, and you know what Abba means, right? It's not the band. It's not the group in the 70s. It's an intimate form of daddy. It's like daddy. And so when me, I, have a rela- I had a relationship with my dad that was just not good. And so when I learned about having a good father, I ran to that. I ran to Adam. I didn't run away from the term father. I ran to the term father because it changed. I just, I finally had a good father. I, I, I am so in love with father and son and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, mystery. He adopted us. He adopted us. And anybody know what the adoption fee was? I don't know if any of us, we have a family, uh, uh, we've had several adoptions in our family, uh, horrible situations. Uh, my goodness, a uh, fellow, our little man, he's now uh, at college, he's out of college, but we, uh, uh, my brother adopted Dion when he was about uh, three years old, and Dion saw his daddy shoot his mama in front of him and then turn the gun on himself. And so, so Dion uh, uh, was a precious little boy that we just grew up with, and, and now he's just our, uh, he's African-American, uh, but he's just part of our family. He's adopted into our family. My brother and, and his wife just said, you know, we just feel like God's saying let's adopt him. We're going to adopt him. And so he's a part of our family. He's a part of our family. And guess what? In the adoption, there had to be a fee. There had to be a process. There had to be a fee. There had to be a payment. There had to be a payment for the adoption. Just like any other adoption, there had to be a payment for the adoption of you and me into the family of God. Anybody know what the adoption fee was for us, for you, for me to be adopted in the family of God? Anybody know, anybody know, anybody know the adoption fee to be adopted in the family of God? The precious blood of Jesus. Seth, Jesus had to pay the price for you and me to be adopted. So if there's people out there who don't accept the blood of Jesus, they can't be adopted. So if they're not adopted, they can't be what? A child of God. Now, how many children does God want? He wants no one to perish. But there is an adoption fee that has been paid. It is the blood of Jesus, the precious, spotless, blameless, blemish-free blood of Jesus at a very high price. To adopt you and to adopt me out of darkness into the kingdom of light. To go from beggar to royalty. To go from prisoner 
for running free. Amen. We've got to make sure we're not dumbing down the adoption piece because the culture says we're all children of God. There's a lot of cultural theology mixed in with ours sometimes, and we've got to be very careful of that. The truth sets you free. The lie confuses you. The lie dupes you, and the lie sends you away from God. Who's the liar? Who's the father of all lies? Come on, guys. This is a big point. This is a huge point. And I'm just telling you, uh, progressive Christianity does a really good, evil, deceivious job of trying to tell folk that we're all children of God. Because this kind of speech right now, this kind of preaching is now called hate speech. Thank you. What's your name? What is it? Nicole, I love you. How old are you? (laughs) How old are you? 37? I am so old you looked 18 from up there. (laughs) Thank you. It's not. Nicole, it's not. I'm not just some, I care about this. I'm not just here for a week to preach and yell and scream and eat brisket. I'm here because I really believe God said, be here, Elijah. I think God said, I, 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 I want you here. And there's a message, and the message is, if we don't have the Spirit of God in us, Nicole, guess what we're going to be? We're going to be tricked. We're going to be deceived. We're going to be fooled. And we're going to be cultural Christians. And cultural Christians are going to not lead our kids, our grandkids, or even us. That's not going to lead us to God. Only biblical truth can lead us to God. Amen? Guys, you got to get this. We say things out of our mouths that we should never say out of our mouths. I'm not even talking about curse words or anger. I'm talking about theology that needs to get checked at the door. Does your theology match the word of God? Because I'm going to tell you, Satan is very good at what he does. If you care one whit about your kids and grandkids, and I know you do, then you better care a lot of wits about knowing the word of God and knowing the truth of God. Nicole, right? you got to know the truth. Next verse here, 16. We've got one more last after this one. For the spirit, his spirit joins with our spirit. And this is what we're talking about. So, so this is when we say that, that Jesus doesn't come and live inside your heart. Now, that's fine to say. It's not, I'm not saying it's bad to say. I'm just saying if we say that, we might want to back that up with, here's how Jesus changes your heart by the living spirit he sends into your spirit. That makes sense? So your heart gets changed, but it gets changed not because Jesus pulls up a red velvet chair and sits down in a little throne chair in your heart. That's the image I had as a kid because that's what I kept hearing. Jesus is just Jesus sitting on the throne of your heart. So I had a kid, as a kid, I had this image of this little throne chair inside my heart in one of the chambers. And Jesus pulls up that little red velvet chair and finally sits down. That's, that's why I had an image of because that's what I heard over and over and over. I was 35, 36 years old before I realized, no, how we're born again is by the Spirit washing the stain of sin away, the blood being supplied by Jesus as only he could, because he's the only one who was sinless and blameless and supplied the blood that could cleanse me. And the Spirit of God now comes into my spirit. That's what it says. For his Spirit 
joins with our spirit to become a child of God. When I'm a child of God, that means I'm part of the family of God. The only way I can be a part of the family of God is being born again. And the only way I can be born again is by accepting the precious blood of Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit wash and cleanse me, repenting of my sins, knowing that I am lost without them. All of that is this beautiful process called born again. Not everyone's a child of God. In fact, I would dare say, Jeff, as hard as it is to say, the majority of the 7.2 billion people in the world are not. The vast majority of the 7.2 billion people that populate this earth are not children of God. Which maybe, just maybe, is why Jesus was pretty adamant in his great commission to say, you, church, go out and preach and teach to all the ends of the earth. Because guess what? There are needs for people to hear the gospel all ends of the earth, everywhere, 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 so they can hear the truth and they can be convicted by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can do only the work that he can do, which is supernaturally born again. You can't born yourself again. You can't get better enough. You can't get good enough. You can't change your habits. You must allow the Holy Spirit. It, it, I'll say this again. i say this again. All love and grace and all love and grace. We've got to stop playing around with this Christian atheist stuff. We have got to allow the Spirit of God supernaturally do a work, and that takes repentance. That takes this sense of, of just allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us of our need to be saved. Last verse. Thank you, guys. Love you. This is good stuff here. Since we're his children. Look at this. We're his children. We're, we're his heirs. You know what heirs get? You know what heirs get? Heirs get everything. They get property. They get, they get a place. They, they, get a, they, get a, they get a mansion. They get gold. There's gold in them, our streets. In fact, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs. This is huge, Seth. This is huge. We talk about God's glory. Now we get to share God's glory. Oh, my gosh, we get to share God's glory. Now, if Paul had only stopped there, Paul was rolling. Paul was rolling, baby. This is a beautiful passage. Oh, we're going to be co-heirs. We're adopted in the family. Abba, Father. Oh, we're going to share in the glory of God. We're going to inherit the kingdom of God. But if you expect to receive the inheritance of his glory, you must also expect to inherit his suffering. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. Because Romans 8 continues with this one. Tonight, I love you guys so much. Oh, thank you for the privilege. It is a high privilege to be here. It really is. Oh, my gosh. We'll go back to our space. If. resurrection power of Jesus to live as fully in you as absolutely possible. Now, I, I admit, I'm a little, I, I really do. I, I'm, when I got born again, I went all in, if you couldn't tell. I mean, I, I just, 
I, I had lost, I'd lost my life in every different way. I had just kind of spent everything. And when I came to Jesus and I found out that God still loves me and still had a purpose and a call on my life, I went all in. I, I went all in. And I actually believed every word of this Bible. I believe every word of this Bible. I really believe every word of this. I really do. Anybody ever hear of Elijah? Anybody know that Elijah called fire down on the mountain? Anybody know that Elijah kept it from raining for three and a half years? Anybody know that Elijah raised the dead? Anybody read a little passage in the book of James that says Elijah was a man just like us? I believe with all my heart that that means that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, I, 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 just maybe, I can, I can, I don't know, raise the dead. I'm just a man. I'm just a regular old man. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. But so was Elijah, and Elijah had who living in him? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came upon him. He wasn't living in him, but he came upon him, and he came upon him in power. There's a woman named Mary Quiberman, uh, half blind, half deaf in, in my church. She would sit about right here in the third, fourth pew all the time, and she loved the fact that I yelled a lot because she could hear me, and, and, and she didn't care I moved around because she was half blind. So she just said, she told me that. I don't care if you move around. I, I love the fact that you yelled. So she's my amen woman. She was my amen. She's like, every time, I mean, I could say, I could say it's a good day today. Amen. And so I just love her, and and, uh, and so I told the church one time, here's kind of my practice. Here's my practice. It's kind of weird. You, know, you can be weird, a little weird. It's a little weird. But my practice is whenever I do a funeral, before I start preaching the funeral, I go to the casket. And I lean over. I don't make a big show about it. I just simply... And I wait. I wait. To date, I have had nobody. But, 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 there's something called persevering faith. Amen? You know what will never happen, I think, if I don't ask? You know what might happen if I do? So I was talking to Mary Quiver, and I told her, I told the church that. I said, you know, I know you all think I'm crazy, but you all love me. I've been there 18 years, and you all put up with all my stuff, and I love you so much. But I just need to tell you that's what I do at every funeral. So if you see me bending over at the funeral, that's what I'm doing. And somebody said, well, you probably should do that after they're, before they're embalmed. I'm thinking, <laughs> we're talking about God here, guys. We're talking about God who created that person out of what? dust. I don't think a little embalming flu is going to stop the God of the universe, okay? So I'm thinking that just adds a little bit more to the drama, right? Come on, God. I mean, all the blood is drained. Come on, God. Boom, raise him and raise him up. So I don't make a show about it. I don't, I don't make a big deal about it, but I just go and say, hey, in the name of Jesus, if it's God's will, just something. And I told Mary this, and Mary said, no offense, Pastor Tim. I am 85 years old. I cannot hear and I cannot see. When I get to heaven, I will dance, I will sing, I will see, I will hear, 
and I will be in the presence of Jesus. So if you actually raise me from the dead, don't be surprised. I will probably slap you. <laughs> so <laughs> One time, I have never said that. It was Barry Quirman's funeral. I did not do it. I did not even say it. I just walked up to the casket and love you, Mary. Have fun. So, so. If you're interested, if you're interested in knowing about the resurrection power, if you want the Holy Spirit to, to, to fuel you and fill you with more and more of his resurrection power, you don't have to know what that means. But I'm referring to verse 11 where it says, The Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You want some of you all have have dead things in your life. You've got dead dreams. You've got dead emotions. You, you've got dead relationships. Some of you might need a resurrection in your life. Anybody hearing me? Anybody want a little bit more resurrection power in your life for whatever reason? I'm kind of done preaching. That's up to you now. Here's the second altar call. We got a second one. Here's the second one. Now listen, listen, listen. As people come forward, they just want to come over. They want to experience more of the resurrection power. That could be miraculous. It could be something inside their heart. It could be like Kate experienced. Kate, I believe you were resurrected this morning when you forgave your dad. I believe something came alive in your life. Amen? Would that be fair to say? Because you forgave somebody. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you haven't forgiven somebody. You need the resurrection power of God in your life. Or you'll never, ever experience the love of God that he wants to give you. Never. Some of you have hate for somebody. Some of you have bitterness for people. Some of you have anger in a sense that it's just kind of grown and grown. And now you just can't forgive them, you think. Some of you need a resurrection power. Some of you need resurrection power in your life. Right here at this altar rail, I am... I just, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, no, nobody, maybe nobody. Invitation, invitation, invitation. Nobody's going to force you. Holy Spirit's not going to force you, but, but the Holy Spirit's going to invite you. If you're sitting here tonight and you're not convinced, you are not adopted into the family of God yet. You cannot say with certainty you're a child of God. You don't know for a fact that you're a child of God. There's this sense in your life that, 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 that right now you just feel like, that uh, you know, he was talking about being adopted in the family of God, the child of God. And I don't know if, if that's me. I know it takes bravery. I know it takes boldness. It takes a move of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to come. But D.D., again, some miraculous things have happened at this altar rail. Amen? If you don't know that you are a son or daughter to the Father, if you don't know for a fact something's happened in your life, and you know that 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 you're a child of God, that you're in the family of God, if you don't know that, I'm going to invite you to not listen to pride, not listen to any kind of spiritual arrogance, not listen to any kind of fear, not listen to any thing thinking in your head that thinks you well i don't know what people think of me or or i can't go there I, i've been a christian i i've been, I've been all this you know i've been you, know, you, you just got to put that aside 
because we're talking about eternal issues, guys. We're talking about eternal issues. It's time to stop playing. It's time to stop playing. So I just, I just invite you to be real and say, God, I don't know if I've been adopted. I don't know if I'm a child of God. Right here in this altar row. I still think there's people right here that I don't know. I, I, I know, I know, I know uh, uh, it's been a longer night. I know we got ice cream waiting. sure would hate to get ice cream and miss heaven. It's as good as ice cream is. I love you guys. Right here, you want to know more about the resurrection power of Jesus. You want more of the resurrection spirit. You want more of the spirit of God to resurrect. You got something dead in your life. You're battling unforgiveness, anger, all of that, whatever it might be. You want more of the resurrection power right here. And as you all gather up, as people come up, as you all gather up, if, Seth, maybe you can kind of pray for folk and just begin to kind of lead a prayer time together right here. And, and whoever needs to come to this altar rail, I'll be here. Adam, as always, wherever you Oh, I love you. So, I just love you. Thank you for being led by the Spirit of God. I'll be up here if you'd like to come forward to this altar. But you also can come there. Love you guys.